Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything competition, whether it be sports, reality competition, or who is your mother's favorite child. If you're competing, we're talking about it. I am your host, Kevin G, and I'm here as always with my co-host, CJ. CJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am good. I am good. This has been a pretty good week in competition. We have a bunch of sports coming to an end. Shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup this I mean, year. All three fans are excited. I'm uh, probably like a city, like the whole city of Tampa Bay, and like whoever's in Canada that like watched it. I mean, all of Canada watched it because it was hockey. But in the U.S., it's the uh, if a tree falls in the forest, did it make a sound? It made a sound in Tampa because apparently they're in a forest and not the Everglades. <laughs> well, congrats to them anyway. This week we also had the debate, which we're going to talk about because that was a competition. It was a competition, but I don't feel like we had a winner. We're going to we'll figure it out. We'll parse it out. We'll figure out based on competition statistics who won. We had a lot of things going this week. First, let's talk about football. Yesterday was a Thursday night game. The Jets played the Broncos. So just to give you a recap, the third string quarterback beat the first string quarterback. Third string quarterback of the Broncos beat the first string quarterback of the Jets. The Jets have no healthy receivers. The Broncos have no healthy quarterback. That was a game. Uh, th- my biggest takeaway is where Sam Darnold did his best Mike Vick impression with a 50-yard touchdown, which I tweeted. I didn't know Sam Darnold was that nimble. Mm-hmm. And it really looked like his line didn't like him. Like I, at one point I was wondering if he slept with all of their girls because they were just, <laughs> it was Olay. Let the Broncos come and play. Well, the thing that's the most interesting to me about that was that the only offensive touchdown the Jets scored was that run by Sam Darnold. Yeah. So, he, you know, he fleet of foot Sam Darnold. I mean, if you have a fantasy team, do you want him for his rushing upside? No, exactly. And that's what's tough. But, you know, they played a game. I think that's kind of it on that. They yeah, played a game. I mean, the games go to Fox next week. They're no longer just on NFL Network. We will have some Thursday games to actually talk about. Okay. Well, we had the Jets versus the Broncos this week. Broncos won. Congrats, Broncos. Oh, the one thing I do want to talk about, Jerry Judy had an amazing catch where it was definitely an interception. And he jumped behind the defender, essentially, and took the ball out of his hands. Say it properly. He mossed him. Yeah, he did. He mossed him. It was pretty cool. It was, I believe, in the first quarter. It was in the second. Okay, so if you want to watch that, I'm sure you can find that on NFL Film somewhere. Or go on Twitter. I'm sure you can find a gift. It was worth it. It was worth it. It was a pretty cool catch, but that was like kind of all Jerry Judy did. That was real impressive yesterday. Yep. Um, that was it. All right. Uh, let's pick some games this week. CJ, let's get NFL out here because we have so much other stuff to talk about. Yep. Bears, Colts, who are you picking? The Bears. Hey, uh, congrats to Nick Foles for taking that job from Mitchell Trubisky. I think Mitchell Trubisky will get that job back sooner rather than later. You think so? Yeah, I think both of them will be the starting quarterback. I mean, now they both have one on their resume. I think both of them will be the starter at least one more time this season. Okay. Like, I think Trubisky will get the job back, and then I think Foles will take the job back again. And then take it for the rest of the season? However long that may be. Right. Uh, Bills, Raiders? I'm picking the Bills. I'm picking the Bills, too, man. Josh Allen looking good. You know what, though? Derek Carr has not looked terrible. Last week was really rough for the Raiders because both Darren Waller and um, Josh Jacobs were on the injury report going into Sunday morning. So... Also, Henry Ruggs didn't play, and I don't think he'd be that good that fast. 
but he has been, he which is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So with with Derek Carr not having as many of his weapons ready to go, healthy, that's kind of tough. So do look for the Raiders. You know what? I just talked myself into it. I'm taking the Raiders over I, the Bills. I mean, that was a poor choice, but you do you. For the upset. Because both, we both got the Bears. I'm taking the Raiders. You're taking the Bills. And then Vikings, Texans. I'm taking the Texans. I'm taking the Texans, too. The Vikings defense has been a tire fire. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the offense is going to be able to do enough to fix it. And, you know, we're Deshaun Watson fans here. Yep. We talked about it. And it was just a matter of time. We had to get through the first. I mean, you said it yourself that the first three games he wasn't going to win. Then he didn't. Nope. So this was his opportunity. So we'll see what happens right here. Let's switch gears. And that's enough about football. Let's switch gears and talk about basketball. First off, the Las Vegas Aces will be playing the Seattle Storm for the WNBA Finals Championship. Congrats to them. We're based in Las Vegas, so I will be watching that to see how the Aces do. Those girls can ball, man. Can I say, I was a little bit off put by the NFL's decision to put the WNBA Finals game one tonight on the same top or two hours before game two of the NBA finals. Like, I think you got to give your girls shine. You own both leagues. Why don't you put the girls on last night or yeah. put them on tomorrow night? Like have them run opposite nights. Cause both of them are on every other night schedule. Right. So if you flip flop them and you have them alternate, that means I could watch basketball every day and get a game, get yep. a game in there. Cause otherwise I have to choose and I'm probably going to choose the Lakers cause I'm a Lakers fan. Over and I, even though I'm an Aces fan, it's just better. Uh, it's a better basketball. I don't know. They're not. They're just more flashy. They're more flashy, and I mean, a lot of. I mean, they did the whole Family Guy uh, joke about the WNBA being all about fundamentals. It's rare you find a flashy team, right? In the WNBA, and when you get one, like they're trying to be the Showtime Lakers, and I'm here for it. Yeah, the, the Aces are fun, man. The Aces are fun. I love watching them play. Asia Wilson, man, she's amazing. Yep. She's amazing. They're, uh, they're out without uh, six, man, six women of the year. Hamby, she's out. She's hurt her knee. But, oh, one thing I do want to talk about. Candace Parker was the defensive player of the year. Did not make either one of the all-defensive teams. I mean, the, the reporters saw what they saw. It's it's just interesting. I mean, she didn't even make the first or second team. That's shocking. Well, the reporters saw what they saw. Like, I wonder, did they, like, obviously it has to be different voters. It is different voters. The the reporters do the defensive player of the year. And then the coaches are the ones that vote for the um, first and second team. So what it probably is, is reporters are looking at counting stats. Mm-hmm. And coaches are looking at game film. Mm-hmm. And although Candace Parker is good, there's probably people who are better. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you look at the stats, you're like, man, that person was the defensive player of the year. Because, like, a lot of times that's why big men win the defensive player of the year in basketball. Because they get blocks. And numbers. They get, and they get steals. Rebounds. And they get the showy stats. But, like, you don't see the lockdown defenders. Right. Because if, if you just put the clamps on somebody and they can't get a sh- shot off, it's not going to show up in the box score. Right. You're right. Cause it's not going to show up in the box score unless you get the rebound, unless you grab the board. But if you're not getting the rebound and you're just locking them down and they have to take a bad shot mm-hmm. or they have to alter their shot because you come into the lane, that's where you see who's the defensive player of the year. So I get what you're saying on that. Yep. 
Let's talk about the Lakers and the Heat. So, game one's in the books. I thought the Heat had a shot. I thought I, they did going into this. I mean, I didn't think they had a shot to win. I thought they were going to get like a couple games. No, no, I thought they had a shot to win. I thought that their length, Ugh, their yikes. defense, their shooting, anybody can get hot for four games. Like, you hit enough threes for four games. I thought if the Heat made two or three more threes than the Lakers every game, they had a shot. So you thought they were like grinded out, get yeah. a couple more threes, and that give them like a two-point win? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. I thought that was their path to winning. I knew they were going to struggle on the boards because Bam was the only big they really have. And then that game started and they came out hot. And like mm-hmm. the Lakers were raining threes and the Heat were still up. And I was excited. And then Goran got hurt. Right. And then Jimmy got hurt. Yep. And then Bam got hurt. Well, mm-hmm. lights out. Gor- I mean, Goran and Jimmy got hurt and they were down by like 10 going into half. And then like the Lakers started like coming out, but then Bam got hurt. And then they put their foot on their throat. And I am a big fan of putting your foot on someone's throat when you're up. So the Lakers did exactly what they were supposed to. But I think it might be Lakers in three now. I, Lakers in three. Put some respect on the Heat's name, man. <laughs> Lakers in three. And you got to win at least four. Yeah. First but, and foremost. But Goran is doubtful. So, okay. So Bam he has doubtful. a torn uh, planner. Yeah. Like something. Well, so, he can't run. Right. So he's going to. <laughs> Even though he's doubtful, he's probably out about two, three weeks at least, which is longer than this series. I mean, he's Goran is acting like Gordon Hayward. He's just going to be hurt. That's what he does, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Bam, though, Bam has a shoulder injury. And so we'll see how that looks. They haven't ruled him out yet, but I think he's also doubtful. But like you're in like even if he can play with the hurt shoulder. He's in there banging with Dwight. He's in there yeah. banging with AD. He's Speaking in of there Dwight, occasionally man. banging with JaVale McGee. Did you think Dwight Howard was ever going to win a ring? I thought that he was going to be the clown show of the NBA and bounce around. Like, now that he's no longer a super-duper star, he's a star in name only. Uh, he's doing the dirty things down, down low, in the low post for the Lakers. So, LeBron, once again, is a vet whisperer. Yeah, he gets. I think he goes to these dudes and be like, "You want to win? You yeah. want to win?" He's like, "I know you got talent, but you don't have a ring. You want one?" Yeah, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, it's, we're coming to the twilight of his career, so yeah, let's go ahead and get one." They're like, "Cool, come join me." Yeah, LeBron said, "So you you want a ring? Join Clutch." Is it a is it like a Morpheus thing where he's like, "You take the red pill, you win a championship, you play second banana, but you win a championship, or you take the blue pill and you're out the league? Which one do you want to take?" <laughs> And then you take the red pill always. Just ask Jr. Oh man, Jr. He he was wearing a shirt. I forgot last week when we decided when he was going to stop wearing a shirt, but he was wearing a shirt last night. You got to win the finals first, and then that's when the shirt comes okay. off. Okay, all right, the shirt comes off. So he's wearing a shirt. We got the vet whisperer, LeBron, rejuvenating these guys. Dwight Howard's now a clutch sports guy. It's like I, I think even like the the NWL and WCW. Where like Dwight Howard like rips off his shirt and it's like a red clutch sports logo on his like undershirt. Yeah. And then that's when uh, they do the too sweet to LeBron and then he gives it the too sweet to KCP. And then he's now a part of clutch sports. Like that's kind of how that works. But like because as LeBron gets older, as we all know, father time is undefeated. Is him, is this Dwight joining NWO Wolfpack or NWO Black and White? 
I think you know what you're right. He's black and white. He's joining black and white with LeBron. LeBron's doing the fake air guitar thing. <laughs> uh, can you imagine LeBron wearing a headband thing that says Hollywood LeBron James? Uh, as long as he includes the feather boa and the weightlifting belt <laughs> and the sunglasses, <laughs> brother, <laughs> that would be great. I feel like LeBron calls a bunch of people brother when he's away from the mic. <laughs> great shot, brother. I mean. Like when JR back in the finals against the Warriors with the, the famous meme of what are you doing? What are you doing, brother? Exactly. <laughs> but but it wasn't what are you doing? It was like, let me tell you something, brother. You got to take the shot before the clock expires. <laughs> Eat your vitamin C prayers. <laughs> I think I think we're right. I think we've just turned LeBron James and clutch sports, not even like the Lakers, but clutch sports. I mean, Anthony Davis is a part of clutch sports. Now yes, too, he right? is. He's the. Uh, is he the the, the Kevin Nash? Of yes, the, he, oh, he's definitely Kevin Nash. He's definitely yeah, Kevin Nash. Actually, the better guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Did you did you hear the other day that the uh, Alonzo signed a clutch? Did he really? Yeah, Alonzo. Alonzo's <laughs> about to come right in the end from the back. Is he uh, six slash X Pac? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so what happens when the Lakers trade back for Alonzo Ball next year? I mean, they already brought Dwight mm-hmm. back, so like it might as well because you know. I, I was I saw I saw something the other day in the game. It said Clutch Sports had fifty six points in the Miami Heat at fifty four. It was oh, during, during the game stats. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> clutch Sports. So anyway, enough about Clutch. Lakers in three. Hmm. I want to talk about Big Brother. I love talking about Big Brother, but can I just say before we really get into it, I'm tired of them making self proclaimed big moves. Oh, big brother. Yeah, man. Okay, so you want to recap us with what happened? Yeah. So last week, as we said, Kevin and David um, were in trouble when turns out Cody won the HOH. He put up Kevin and David. Kevin ended up going home in the triple eviction after all week trying to stay. So after Kevin went home, we find out there's a triple eviction. Memphis wins the HOH during the triple eviction. With the Memphis win, we knew that Christmas was not going to be going home, which mm-hmm. was part of the plan. That was kind of on the block. Also, Cody wasn't going to be going home since the wise guys. The wise guys. So Enzo was also safe. But we also knew that Memphis, because we talked about last week, Memphis being an option. Memphis wasn't going home. So this was going to be probably lights out for your boy, David. So David went on the block next to Nicole. And when that move happened, everyone knew. They're putting up Nicole because no one's voting Nicole out. Nicole Correct. can't win. At this point in the game, Nicole can't win. She's done nothing. She's just been around. She's kind of been dragged. Like, Nicole would have to win out HOH veto for the remainder of the season to have a narrative to point at to win. Other than that, I can see a lot of people taking her to the final two and saying, she didn't do anything. Give me the money. Right. And that's why I think she went up next to David. Now, David was always Memphis's target. He's been Memphis's target for weeks. Well, remember, Memphis wanted to make a big move, so he wanted to get the rookie out. Well, this was Memphis's third HOH, if you think about it. I hadn't and thought about that. And he put up David every time. Yeah. So mm, I mean, no, the second time he didn't because he made a deal with him. Oh, that's so right. So look me in the eye, shake my hand. If you tell anybody about this, you're going up. The Godfather deal when he has no power. Mm-hmm. So he did that. He took it, and so David didn't go up that time. But David was his backdoor plan at the time. Well, he wanted to backdoor David, and then the house said, no, that's stupid. 
we're not going to use the veto so you can backdoor him. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense because David is not a threat. Right. But Memphis wanted the rookie gone. So with the quick cycle one of the three part of the triple eviction, Memphis puts up David and Nicole. The veto winner was Christmas. She did not use it. And so David was up against Nicole. Tyler and Christmas talked about trying to get Nicole out. They did because they wanted to, like, they're looking for soldiers in the upcoming war at that point. You got to prepare. You got to get those soldiers in line. Yeah. And, like, as much as nobody like David in Memphis kept trying to make a quote-unquote power move and getting rid of David, which so dumb. Memphis should not win, no matter how many competitions he win, because that's not a power move. They would have gotten rid of Nicole if they had time to plan it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, when they're getting ready to vote, CBS messes up with the triple eviction uh, screen rolling behind Julie, despite the fact that she had only told them it was a double eviction. Right. And I think Nicole would have been safe with a a 5-0 vote had that not happened. I think so. Maybe. I just know that Christmas was ready for Nicole and Danny to go. So this was her chance to try to get it done. Tyler said he was down. Enzo was not down. Well, because Enzo knows. I think Enzo knew he doesn't have David. I think Enzo's looking at the numbers and going, it's me, it's Cody, it's Memphis, and it's Christmas. And it's Tyler. And it's Tyler. But I know that me and Cody are the minority of that five. So correct. I, I don't know if he thinks that Christmas is ahead of him because I don't think he knows how tight Tyler is with Christmas. So a little bit of a spoiler for you. They know that Christmas and Tyler had a final two because of a wall yeller. Oh, lovely. So and that was like a few weeks ago, which is why they've been trying to keep their distance from each other. Mm-hmm. But a wall yeller definitely told them that, hey, these two are working together. So they've been falling apart since then. They got to move them to a separate lot. Like, they got to move them to the interior of the CBS lot. Yeah, because this is the wall yellers have kind of ruined how this season goes. As opposed season. to previous seasons when people flew banners over the house. But, like, it was like a one time. Banners are expensive, man. They flew a banner this season, too. Banners are expensive. They're not yeah. cheap. So people aren't doing that. But if I go and get a pole horn and say, Cody, Cody is about to win the HOH and send Tyler home, then, like, Tyler knows it, right? Yeah. He, he sees this coming. So. I think that that's real problematic. Uh, the season's kind of played out how you expected when this team, this group got together, but the war's coming and the war may be at our footsteps because the, Tyler wins the third HOH, I guess, second HOH? Second HOH of the night. That's the beginning of the Triple H. So here's the thing Nicole got the votes because CBS screwed up, showed the triple eviction graphic. The house guests immediately went in a scramble mode for that vote. So Nicole skated by Skinner T three two vote because they wanted to get like Tyler and Christmas took their shot and Zoe would not get on board. However, because the house guests knew that it was a triple eviction at that point, they were able to get their ducks in a row while David was conducting his exit interview. Mm-hmm. So Tyler wins. It was probably always going to be that way. It was always going to be Danny and Nicole. Yeah, because at that point, 
you put out Nicole against who you want out. I think Nicole's about to spend a lot of time on the block. Going forward, yeah, she's the new Kevin. Yeah. So Tyler puts up Danny and Chris, uh, Danny and Nicole. Tyler also wins the veto, does not use the veto. They send Danny home. That's how that episode went. And like, again, I'm watching and all these people are claiming they're making power moves. I don't think I've seen one yet. Well, Danny, getting Danny out was a power move for Tyler. He had been saying he wanted to do it for weeks. He wanted her gone. He finally did it. The final six now is Christmas, Nicole, Tyler, Enzo, Memphis, and Cody. For me, I had done a couple Big Brother drafts before, and uh, my my two that I got were Memphis and Tyler, and I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad they're still in the game. I think they have real equity to win this game. Okay, so going from best chance to win to worst chance to win from the final six, what's your order? Best worst, ch- worst to best. Worst right now is Nicole. Okay. I think Nicole is the – I'm – Take like you're taking Nicole because she has no narrative to win. I mean, I think she's drawing dead. Um, Ayan doesn't vote for her. Davon doesn't vote for her. I don't think anyone. David I mean, doesn't vote for her. I think in a normal season, Nicole could have constructed a narrative like if this was all first time players saying that I played a great social game, everyone liked me. This is why I should win. But that wouldn't even work either because Ian, she lied to Ian about the vote. She lied to Davon about the vote in terms of who she voted for, so she went after David. David was the one lied about. Kevin's with them. Danny's the only one that votes for her. Yeah. So Nicole's drawing dead. Yeah. I think next is Christmas. I think Christmas would be next as well because I think her narrative is I made these big moves, but realistically, you were a puppet. Mm-hmm. Like, Unfortunately, the men have been running laps around the women. I mean, this when season. you have Memphis winning a third HOH, Tyler winning a second HOH. Cody won two HOHs. Yep. Enzo won one. Yeah. And Christmas is the only girl to win an HOH this season, and it's because Davon got a Danny question Danny won wrong. two. Danny won two. Oh, that's right. She let Danny won one. Because they drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, Danny didn't want it. Nicole didn't want it. Cody didn't want it. Yeah. So, Cody and Nicole just... Happen to drop before Danny. Right. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think. If, like, you're going to throw an HOH and, like, you look at each other and you say, do you, let's drop at the same time. I drop on one. Yeah. I say, let's count to three. One. Oh, I slipped. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> Sorry, bro. That's on you now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it just sucks because the, uh, the committee has won every HOH and they've been going after quote unquote power targets, but they are the power target. I guess the committee's was slept, yeah? Yeah. Committee featuring Enzo. Right, but Enzo was always kind of in. He like he wasn't an official member of the alliance. He was in the Slick Six. Right, right. But he okay, so he wasn't, you know, carrying a card, but he knew about all the meetings. He sat in the back. That's he showed true. up. He just well, didn't pay the dues. He, he was getting debriefed every yeah, time. Every time. And so Danny was the first one to go from the committee, but she was always gonna be the first one to go from the committee. Yeah. Tyler I think Tyler's in trouble this week because Tyler can't win HOH because he's the outgoing HOH. But I think if Memphis or Christmas wins, he's good. Okay, maybe. We forgot Enzo won an HOH too. Yeah, Enzo won. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Enzo's name too. He was, but he was the only one, only non-committee member. Not, and I use air quotes heavily. 
Yeah. For non-committee members. And that's kind of how this season's gone and how it's shaken out. It's not a great season in terms of the fan base. People don't love it. Because Americans cheered for the underdog, and the underdog got stomped out. Oh. Stomped out. And I said, you know, I enjoy when they put the foot on the throat. I have not enjoyed watching them put the foot on the throat of this Big Brother season. It's hard when you're watching like a three-day-a-week reality show to just see people not really come up and be able to fight. So we'll see what happens in this impending war. I feel like we're we're marching to a Cody win. Oh, finishing out your, your list. So we have... So I think it's going to be Nicole Least Christmas because mm-hmm. she's been a puppet. Memphis, because he, I think his sticking to the gun, sticking to his guns and trying to get rid of David so often will play to his detriment when it's time to talk to the jury. Because the jury is going to be like, your signature move in all of your HOHs was either putting David up and trying to get rid of him or trying to backdoor him. And every time we told you that was stupid. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's going to be able to make the argument unless he orchestrates like backdooring Cody or Tyler out at this point, because he hasn't really done anything, even though he's won his fair share of competitions. Mm-hmm. After that, I think it's going to be Enzo. He's played a great social game, but he's not winning much. And he's not in that alliance. Like, yeah, he's on the purview. They read him the minutes of every meeting, but he's not a decider. Okay. He's not making decisions. Tyler, the golden boy, everyone is scared of him. And I think game respects game. But I think Cody has been masterminding a lot of things. And he's in the best shot to win. I just like, I think Christmas is fully aware that she needs to take a shot at him sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Memphis will. Like, I realize they're both on opposite ends of the wise guys. Right. But I think Memphis is going to be the decider in that decision. So for me, I think from least opportunity to win to best, I I differ a little bit. I have Nicole and then I have Christmas just like you. Mm -hmm. And I thought Christmas was in a much better spot. But when she started going to war with Danny and Devon and Bailey, it kind of sabotaged her spot in the game in order to win capital. After that, though, I go with my guy, Tyler. Really? Yeah, and I love Tyler. I'm a huge Tyler stan. But I think Tyler's not in a very opportune position to win the game. I think he loses to Enzo. I think he loses to Cody. I think he loses to Memphis. To Memphis going right now, if he says next to him. And the reason that is... Is because looking at the jury and the composition, Danny doesn't vote for him. I don't know that Davon and David vote for him. No. I don't I don't think Kevin votes for him. I think Ian would, but I just looking at the jury composition, the sending Bailey going home really kind of hurt his game. Especially more than he, he knows. Well, because he wanted out and then Christmas didn't let him leave. Right. And so the way it played out was as if Tyler had masterminded this thing when he hadn't. He was really checked out the game. So I don't know that those guys vote for him unless he was able to make up with David on his way out by not voting him out. Davon knows exactly what went down with the Nicole stuff now. So they might be inclined. If you believe Nicole, you might be inclined to believe Tyler. I'm not sure. But that's why I think he's in a better position. Yeah. When I look at Memphis, I have Memphis next. And the reason I have Memphis next is because I think he picks up 
Christmas's vote. I think he picked up Ann's vote, Nicole's, Danny's. Not David's, but maybe Davon's in that situation because I don't think David and Davon are voting together, but I don't think David's voting for Memphis based on how Memphis has treated him all game. Yeah. That's a, I think, I don't think Memphis can do anything to win David's vote because at a point it's about respect Mm -hmm. and Memphis did not treat David with respect. Right. And so, which is why I don't think he gets that vote, but I think he does out Fox a couple other people if he's sitting next to him. Um, At two, best chance to win the game if they make it to the end, I have Enzo because Enzo's social game has been dope. Oh, he's great. Everyone loves him, yo. And he's just friends with everyone. He has, he tells everyone what they want to hear. He's been telling Cody that he wants Danny safe, but he's been telling Tyler he wants Danny gone. Yeah. Same thing with Nicole. Like last night, one of the real crux of the thing is that Ninzo have talked about wanting Nicole gone for a few weeks ago. Tyler was like, cool, we ready to do this? And he's like, oh, no, man. No, no, no. Because privately, Enzo has talked about how he likes the way Nicole treats him in this, in this game, how she's nice to him and she's really friendly. Yeah. And even though she won before, uh, he thinks she's awesome. So, but that's, that's his private thoughts. Yeah. That's not the thoughts he's telling like Tyler, which is why last night Tyler's like, let's do it. And she, he's like, nah, man. Nah. But obviously we're never going to be privy to that conversation because there's no mics in that corridor. Mm-hmm. But I really think that Tyler told Enzo, let's do it. And Enzo said, let's not, because if you want to get rid of someone at this point, you put them up next to Nicole. Uh, well, what it was, they were rehashing it last night on the live feeds. And he's like, I thought, I thought David said he had your vote. And he's like, ah, nah, fam, he didn't. Uh, and, and he's like, but I thought you also wanted Nicole gone. He's like, oh, that was earlier, but like, it's kind of changed. That's where it's at. Like, it's, it's kind of just changed how he sees things because it's been a few weeks, you know? Yeah. Well, also, I think it was actually to Enzo's advantage to not come up with power at all last night because it didn't paint a target on him. Right. So when you have these committee members taking shots at each other, he's genuinely a swing vote. And if you're a swing vote, I can't get rid of you. Right. And, and what's really interesting is that Enzo has positioned himself without when he's won enough competitions to not seem like he's irrelevant. Yeah, he's he's not a bum, but he doesn't need to win too many because he's definitely in a good social space to get it done. And then number one, I think if he's just next to anyone, he wins. And that's Cody. Yeah, because Cody's gameplay this season, he's really ran things like you said with the people that he's been working with. Mm-hmm. He's been able to run it down. He's now down to the seven that he wants. He needs to make sure he watches out for Christmas and Tyler. So I think if Cody wins an HOH, I think we could see Tyler or Christmas go up for that reason. Yeah. Because I think that he knows that he has to watch his back for those two because Enzo's not coming for him. Nicole's definitely not coming for him. And Memphis is not coming for him. So I, I don't think he conducts the backdoor. Like, I think it's too late in the game now to try to conduct a backdoor plan. Especially if you're Cody, I think you take your shot. You put up Christmas and Tyler. If one of them wins to the POV and takes himself off, you put up Nicole next to him because no one's voting out Nicole. Right. And then you send that other person home and that's yeah. just easy. So I think that's where we're at with Big Brother. We're coming down to the end. I think that looking at the house and the people remaining right now, 
I think Enzo gets kicked out at three. Okay. Like I, unless he wins the HOH, I think people like him enough that like his first season, he's going to make it to three. But I think people fear his social game and don't want to sit next to him. Right. I think so too. I, well, I don't know that the only thing I don't know if that's true is that I don't think Memphis is dumb. So if we have Memphis, Cody, and if we have Memphis, Cody, and Enzo in the final three, which would be a pretty amazing, you know what would be the craziest final three? Memphis, Cody, and Tyler. Because all of them yeah. came in second place. So it would be super crazy to see them because one of them's going to win, one yeah. of them's going to get second place again. That's just how that is. And yeah. then one of them's going to have a worse placement than last time. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just how that would work. But I think that Memphis takes Enzo, and if that's the case, then I think Enzo beats Memphis. But I think that's the only way he, Enzo can get there without winning the final HOH. Yeah, I just I don't think Memphis has a strong enough narrative to win at this point, despite being the preeminent comp beast in the house. Like when you think about all the wins, it's been him and Cody with the most wins. Mm-hmm. Tyler's been picking off vetoes. But I don't think competitions are that important in this game, man. I don't think so either, but it it helps build your case. It, I think it used to, but comp wins. I mean, Andy Heron won. He didn't win too many competitions. Nicole won. She didn't win too many competitions. We're not looking for like the game is kind of different. We're looking at social strategy here. Yeah. Casey ran on the platform basically that she won a bunch of comps. But in reality, Bailey was just mad at Tyler. So that's why it went 4-3 for Casey to win. Not so much the competition threat. And Haley, when she voted, she broke from the rest of the, the group that was voting, not voting for Tyler, and voted because she felt like he played the best game because he did. So that's something to look, look for. I don't know how important competitions are. I think social game matters more. And I think Enzo's is playing better, which is why I have him ahead of Memphis for me. Yeah, I can see that. I think that's enough Big Brother talk. I think uh, this week we don't know who the HOH is yet. If it is, if it's, I, I think we can just go through that. If Nicole wins, I don't know what she does. I'm assuming she puts up Tyler and Christmas. If Christmas wins, I assume she puts up Cody and Nicole. Nicole. Yeah. yeah. If Tyler wins, I think he puts up Nicole and maybe Cody. Maybe he takes that shot. He might put up Memphis. I think actually he puts a Memphis as I think about it. I think he puts a Memphis in the cold. Yeah. If Enzo wins, I think Enzo is not going to win because I don't think he wants to show his cards. Yeah, I don't think he's going to. And, and it, also Tyler can't win, my bad. Tyler can't win because he is the outgoing HOH. But I think uh, I think um, if Enzo wins, I don't think he wants to show his cards. So I don't think he would put anyone up. I wouldn't be surprised if Enzo acknowledges that he threw the comp this week. Right. Because it in his of all the times to win, this might be the worst for mm-hmm. him. Like, let it get to five, let it be two pairs, and then you show your cards. Because at that point, you are, throw your line in with one of them. Yeah, you'll be on the right side of the numbers, regardless of which way you go. Right. I think if Memphis were to win again, I think this time he puts up Tyler and Nicole because. Tyler and Nicole, he does not have a final four alliance with, essentially. Yeah, they, they, neither of them are in the wise guys. Neither one of them are wise guys. Um, then we go to Cody. I think if Cody wins, I think there's a good chance he puts up Tyler and Christmas with the expectation that one goes home. He doesn't really care which one. He prefers, I think, Christmas to go home. 
I think he prefers Tyler to go home because he fears Tyler more in a, in a competition. I think the rest of them might prefer Christmas to go home, except for, I think, I know Nicole prefers Christmas to go home. Yeah. So does Enzo. Yeah. Memphis, no, but those only three votes. So Memphis voting to save Christmas and the other two voting them out. You get the two people on the block. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't it even matter. matter. So that's what I see happening if Cody were to win HOH. I'm ready to talk about this debate, my friend. Oh, what a debate. You realize watching that debate, the next day the debate commission came out and said, we should probably change the rules of debates oh, moving they forward. They did decide to change the rules. Well, they haven't said what they're going to do, but they are going to make changes. We have been doing debates for hundreds of years. And y'all broke it. Not y'all, man. President Trump. So here's the thing. Okay, so they said that for those that don't know, that was the first of was supposed to be three presidential debates. And um, as of the recording of this podcast last night, late last night, Trump tweeted that he has the COVID. Mm-hmm. Biden does not have COVID as, as of this, this moment. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's all very fluid. He tweeted it uh, around 10 p.m. Pacific right. that he had it. This morning, there was confirmation that by the doctor, well, confirmation by the doctor. There was also confirmation that the chairwoman of the RNC has COVID. Yeah. And we are no hope Hicks that COVID. Yeah. And at the debate, supposedly a lot of the Republican group that was in attendance took their mask off when the debate started. They did. So we don't know how far this is going to spread. Correct. So with that being the case. Those people have COVID, so who knows if the debates continue. But this first debate was a doozy. It was a doozy. Chris Wallace did the best that he could to try to moderate. And I feel bad for the dude because, man. He needed a mute button so bad. Yep. And he just got steamrolled. So President Trump did a lot of interrupt. So the agreed upon rules that each person got two minutes and that was an open forum yeah. after that. During each of Biden's two minutes, Trump spoke over him, tried to interrupt him, tried to change the subject. Yes. <sighs> so it's interesting watching because you could very much tell that Biden was a consummate politician. And shout out to him for trying to keep his cool for as long as he did. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the will you just shut up already? Hilarious. But like. He didn't even lose this call when Trump went after his kids. He did later when he when he felt like he was taking a shot at Bo. He, I mean, like he lost his call, but what parent wouldn't? Right. What that makes sense. Wouldn't. Makes sense. Makes and sense. like he was still even losing his call. He was a lot more restrained than most of us would be because most of us would have walked across the stage and punched him in the throat and then found out three days later that we also have COVID. <laughs> and also the fact that you've been disqualified for assault. <laughs> well, I mean, Trump could shoot someone in the street and nothing would happen. He said that, man, but I don't think that's true. Well, Biden's not the president, so he couldn't do it. True, 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 true. But yeah, Trump just, he he did not adhere to the rules. He talked through Biden repeatedly. He went over his time including infringing on Biden's time. Mm-hmm. And like, unfortunately, as a country, we've become so polarized that I don't think there is anybody who was undecided at this point. True. You're either on one side or the other at this point. So if you're completely undecided, that debate had no winner. The Democrats are going to come out and say Biden won because he, 
you know, he held his cool. He made his point. Republicans are going to come out and say that Trump won because he owned Biden. Like he was subservient to him. I, and that's the thing. I don't know that he did. I don't know he did based on competition, right? Just because you're interrupting, just because you're not letting someone else speak. Trump didn't stay on topic. Right. He didn't stay on topic ever. I but mean, I mean, that's not unique to him in a debate. Nobody stays on topic. But what I'm in saying debate. in terms of winning, like the questions weren't that were asked were not answered. So do you get a point for that? No, but I mean, a lot of times they sidestep questions. Like the biggest takeaway from the debate was Trump giving a shout out to the Proud Boys. Yeah, and they're not not disavowing essentially essentially yeah. white supremacy. I mean, that happened, and obviously that's a big thing for us as African American men. Yes. So, I mean, that's big for us, but in terms of competition. It was just, once again, him not answering the question that was presented. Yeah. And like he kept he because he continually sidestepped the question and tried to change, like he deflected a lot back to Biden mm-hmm. by peddling conspiracy theories and um, the hurling insults. No, he didn't answer the questions, but Biden didn't really answer the questions either because he never had the opportunity to. He answered all the questions. You just couldn't hear them. They were being answered, but there other things were being asked while he was speaking. Uh, I, I, my only critique of Biden in this campaign or in this debate is that I feel like he could have been stronger because, as you said, he's a constant politician. So he went into the debate and had his notes and planned on using them to get through this thing. Well, he didn't realize that he was fighting with a dude. That's not a politician. And just like CL. There was multiple times that I was watching the debate that I was like, you know, like when you watch your favorite like sports team and then you see them like fumble the ball and you like jump up off the couch and you're like pointing at the ball for them to pick it up. I did that multiple times because I'm watching as (laughs) Biden is when Trump, when when they were talking about Obamacare or uh, Affordable Care Act. Yes. When that was being talked about. Biden said that they put together, they put it together and Trump has done nothing. He said you want to repeal on repeal it and he's done nothing. Which he hasn't. Trump then says that they took off the mandatory mandate and then that was kind of it. And he said that we're gonna get rid of it though. This doesn't work. There's no way we, I have some of the very, very best people. The very best people look at it, and there's nothing we can do. We just have to get rid of it. As they were going back and forth, Trump said, You don't have a plan. I have a plan. You don't have a plan. I have a plan. If I'm Biden, I then stop what I'm saying instead of continuing to try to talk over him. And I then say, what is your plan? It's been three and a half years, four years, and nothing's happened. So if you have a plan, let's go ahead and tell the American people what it is. Then you watch as Trump has says that it's a very big plan. Listen, it's a very good plan. It's a very, very good plan. We have some of the best people still working on it. And that's when I'm Biden. I say, so as we see, this man does not have a plan, as I was saying, because he didn't because you he, he can't filibuster it once you acknowledge what the guy's saying and then you come back at him. Right. Another time, I feel like Biden should have parried and countered a parry counterpunch because anytime he would try to interrupt him instead of just ignoring him, which is what I'm sure he was told he needs to do. You don't ignore you acknowledge and you hit him back with the same thing you have. A, oh, I have a plan. You do. What is it? 
Okay, cool. Nothing. Yeah. Ramble, ramble, ramble. Mm-hmm. When he hits you with something about your son, Trump tried to come out after him about his son getting $3 million from someone in Russia or something like that. Right. That's when you parry. You say, while that's not true, when's the last time Eric or Don Jr. didn't work for you? Perry counterpunch. Yeah. What's with uh, Ivanka being a consultant for the Trump organization as well as an employee? Perry counterpunch. You see what I'm saying? And I felt like those are the things he needed to do. So, like, take what Trump's saying, hear him say, I, yeah, so like an improv technique, yes, and. Yes, and what about your sons? If we're talking about families, we have families we could talk about. How does Melania feel about Stormy Daniels? Yeah. Because if we're, we're, you want to go outside of this. We can go outside of this. But if you don't want to talk about outside of this, we don't have to. Because I would rather not. Let's talk about policies. When they asked him about the Supreme Court judge and how Trump said they, I was appointed to pick. And then he says, then that's when you count Perry and say, but Barack Obama was appointed to pick two. And he picked Mary Garland back in March. What happened? Perry counterpunch. The problem, like you are 100 percent correct, and that should be the strategy. But the problem is, once again, the country is so polarized that you've already picked a side. But I think people would hear that because they hear that. Then that's when you get like, you remember when like people would fight in the schoolyard, and then everybody would run around and be like, oh, oh, because it starts with like insults. <laughs> and, oh, oh man, we say about your mama. Like it'd be like that because then people watching would have to go. He does make a good point. Because Trump would be the one bringing the stuff up, then that's what if you parry and encounter, is people would be like, mm, he's right about that. I mean, if you're believing a lot of the things that are being said from one side or the other, because I'm not trying to make it political here, but if you're believing what's being said by one side or the other, you're, there's nothing that the other candidate can say to pull you over at this point. Because it can make you think about it, though. It may not pull you, but it make you think about it because you parry it. There's a lot of people who are not thinking. True. No, well, that's true. And I'm not, I'm not, not taking that away from you. I, that's why I think the parry counterpunch makes sense, though, because look, let's start with affordable ca- uh, health care. That one would have been like one, one of the first ones that would have knocked him back. That would have been a knockback because he said that it doesn't work. Then my answer to you is you are no longer the one talking about ideals. You've been in charge. What's the plan? Yeah. Because there's nothing no, like you're right when you're into the sun stuff and the kid stuff. That's when you're being petty. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you hit them with the policy, you just told me that affordable, the eight, the ACA doesn't work. Affordable Care Act does not work. OK, cool. What ideas do you have? Because we're no longer in the ideal stage with you. You've been in office for four years. Cool. You can't tell me ideals. The tr- The wall was an ideal. We're four years and it's not built. That was an ideal. It didn't happen. So. Affordable. You ran on the policy, and he even said you ran on the policy of repeal and replace. Mm-hmm. It has not been repealed nor replaced. You've already had four years to get it done. It wasn't like a what we're going to do. What did you do? Nothing. Well, it's similar to one of the things or one of the spots I thought Biden shined is when they were talking about the Paris Climate Accords. Mm-hmm. And he said one of the first things he would do if elected president is get us back in as a country. Mm-hmm. And Trump went on to say it didn't work. It was bad for America. We are doing far better out of the deal. But he didn't cite any sources. Like, he didn't cite any sources. He didn't present any stats. Right. He didn't give anything other than this is how it is and you have to believe me. Right. Every time that Biden came after him, it was where are your sources? 
like Biden actually spoke with numbers. Biden actually pointed to existing problems and Trump didn't. Do you think, do you think, and I laugh, when Biden shows, like, are they like two kids that show up where at a school where Biden has all his notes prepared and he has it all and he's like studying right before the desk. Trump shows up a little late, puts his feet on the desk, gives a head nod to the teacher and just figures he's going to wing it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I like, it's very apparent, and this is not a debate commentary. This is just more like public appearances by Trump, but it's very apparent when he's reading prepared statements mm-hmm. and when they have them in front of a camera and when he's winging it. Like, if you watch the Axios interview, mm-hmm. um, was it last month? So much has happened this year. But the Axios interview, when he was presented with coronavirus deaths and coronavirus cases, and he's looking at the sheet and he's like, well, these numbers aren't right. You literally have the data in front of you. Right. But because nobody prepared you for this, you don't know how to read it. Right. So you're winging it. Versus like when he was giving presidential addresses and he's reading from the teleprompter, he doesn't screw he's up. Prepared, yeah. Yeah, he's prepared. He has a team that prepares him. How often, like if he listens, it's another thing. Well, speaking of the coronavirus and the situation that he, when he spoke about it, Biden mentioned that there was over 200, 200,000 deaths. Right. Trump said there would have been far more with you. I, I didn't respond with, we don't know that because you actually are in office and there's 200,000 with you. That's already happened. You're assuming there'll be more with me, but there's no proof. There's proof that 200,000 people died under your watch. What are you going to say to that? Well, it was very interesting that he said you could never do the job that I did. And Biden didn't take the like Biden said, well, there'd be less deaths. All Biden had to say was I would follow science. Right. I would follow the advice of the scientists to the T. They said do this. I would have did this. Instead, you balked at it. Yeah. You said, I mean, even as we sit in this office right here, my wife is wearing a mask. Your aides are not. This is something that Dr. Fauci said mm-hmm. and you have decided not to do it. These are the, like these are the things that you would do to fight like if you're in competition. So like right. thinking of a boxing match, like I said, you parry and counter. All Biden really did was block. He put mm-hmm. his arms up and block. And that's cool. It still weathered the storm and he got through the fight. But like you said, there's no clear winner because if you parry and counter, there's a clear winner. Right. Because those counter punchers, counter punchers are the ones. I mean, Mayweather, one of the reasons that he's such a good fighter is because he moves and counters. I mean, I've watched a fair deal of his professional fights. Mayweather's. Yeah. Not Biden's. Not but I mean, I would love to watch him box, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, him and Trump had the uh, boxing challenge a few years ago. They're a little bit older. It'll look like Mayweather versus Pacquiao and we didn't get another <laughs> prime. But I still pay to watch that. Um, but, yeah, I watched a fair deal of Mayweather's fights. One of the things that always stuck out to me, like if you watch it in a bar, you watch it um, at a watch party or everything, people are always getting excited because Mayweather's taking combos. Like he's getting backed into a corner and people are just throwing punches. And they're like, oh, he's losing. He's losing. Mayweather never got hit. Right. Like he was always dodging. He was always covering up. People were punching his arms, punching themselves out. And he's winning a lot of these fights on decision. Mm -hmm. Because he parries and counters. Yeah. And. It was like that, like people, people believe what they want to believe. Right. If you're a student of the game, you'll have an answer. I don't think I'm a student of the game of boxing, but I know I've watched enough boxing in my life to tell you when somebody won. Mm -hmm. 
and watching that debate. I've seen enough debates in my life now. I know who won, but politics being so polarized, everyone's going to have an opinion because there's not a scoring system like there is in boxing. Right. Unfortunately, watching that, Biden, he could have done a better job of appearing countering, as you've been saying, but he still did enough to win on the yeah. scorecards. If, if so if you were to score a debate, how would you score it? I mean, how would you score a political debate? Because I mean, there's debate. There's debates. Well, if you're scoring a political debate, I think each segment needs to be around. I think that we should institute a 10 point bus system similar to boxing or MMA. I think that you want them to present clear and concise plans. I think you do need to dock them for interruptions, changing the subject, dodging questions. I think you need to have three independent judges. Okay. But like, I don't mean independent as in like, they don't work for the company that's putting on the debate. I think you need to have like actual vetted independents, like whether they be actual judges or lawyers or average everyday Americans and just have them fill out hundreds of surveys, questions, seeing what their political ideologies are, what they really think and let them judge it. Like, I don't want an expert. I want to know what the everyday American thinks because like, unfortunately we've gotten to the point now where like Trump's biggest, um, claim to fame during this presidency and what has actually kept his chances afloat has been the economy. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly pointing to the stock market, but I'm an average everyday American. I have no ties to the stock market. Right. The stock market could be having record highs. I'm worried about what I'm going to have for lunch. Like I'm worried about my savings account. I'm 34. Like my 401k. Yeah. Put money into it. But like, the stock market doesn't really affect me right. until my company goes under. Then it affects me. So I, we asked about a scoring system. I pulled up a debate scoring system. Really? Yeah. For like most, for not like political debates, like when you were like high school debate. Yeah. So the criteria that they have here on this sheet that I'm looking at is organization clarity, use of arguments, use of examples and facts, use of rebuttal. And presentation style. And then the performance levels are one, unclear in most parts, two, clear in some parts, but not overall. Three, mostly clear and orderly, orderly in all parts, or four, completely clear and orderly in the presentation for each of the arguments, for the like the relevance and whatnot. For organization clarity, I think I would have to give Biden a four. Mm-hmm. And I would have to give Trump for the whole debate as a whole. I would give Trump a two for organization that, and clarity. That's what I was thinking as well. Because it was clear in some parts, but not in not overall. Correct. For use of argument, I would have to give Biden like a two. I was thinking a two or three. And I think I would give Trump a three because he was able to use the argument to, like I said, parry and counterpunching. Yeah. The I would definitely score him in that higher than Biden because he did. The only problem I have is because he was so off topic. I think that does affect the clarity. But that's where you come to this one is use of examples and facts. For Biden, I would give him a three. For Trump, I would have to give him a one. So this was one of the biggest problems that myself as well as many others had with the debate 
is that the moderator did not act as a fact checker. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously it's impossible to be a fact checker when they're speaking up. Like they're just, it's a fluid conversation. It's very hard to fact check people in the middle of the conversation. But like my soon to be legally obligated roommate (laughs) said it best. We need a pop-up video fact checking right on the mechanism screen. on the screen so like when when they say something that is false or misleading it just pops up for the public to see i mean yes i agree and i say i mean because i feel like trump is out there trying to sell you on voting for him mm-hmm. so he's a salesman so he's telling you whatever sounds good and then when you realize you have snake oil you're like what happened here and he's like uh gotta go to the next town and then like <laughs> he keeps it moving so I, I get what you're saying, but I, I I don't know if a fact checker in the moment works. And I don't know that you could put Chris Wallace in that position when he has to try to stop this dude. He said at one point, I don't want to raise my voice, but I mean, you guys are, so I might as well, too. I, he he was very clearly upset and yeah. annoyed. And unfortunately, because of the structure of the debate, you it, it is not plausible to give the moderator a mute button. Right. But I think they really should be muting them for two minutes. So, like, when it's your two minutes to speak, the other one's mic is off. The reason why you can't do that is because they're in the same room. So you would just hear noise in the background. Right. Because Trump would just be talking and it's still going to pick up on Biden's mic. Mike is and Biden's still going to be reacting to whatever Trump is saying. We just won't be able to hear it clearly. True. The only way you could really actually functionally have a mute is you got to have them in separate rooms. Right. And being in separate rooms actually probably would have been better for Trump for that debate, because if you watched it muted and you were just looking at the cameras, Biden was talking to the camera. He was talking to the American public on a lot of his points. Occasionally, he did look at Trump. Well, he he was talking at first. And then when when it was starting to break down, he would then turn his head and say, America. Yeah. Let me tell you about the thing that I'm talking about because you guys need to know and go out and vote. And then yeah. he was doing that. And then he was going to turn back to the side and was like, hey, Trump, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but like watching the debate, a lot of Trump's conversation was directed at Biden, not at the camera. Oh, he just stood there and looked at him. Yeah. He just he was there to fight that dude. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, Trump says, am I debating you or am I debating Biden or the moderator? Yeah. And he used to be like, you should be debating Biden, but you shouldn't be like just yelling at him. Yeah, that's not a debate. So for use of examples and facts, though, I have to go with a one for Trump, a three for Biden. For use of rebuttal, I have to give Biden a one because it was not effective counter arguments. No, they weren't. They were. Unfortunately, he couldn't counter because you can't argue with someone who is incoherent. He was coherent. He just didn't parry. Like like we've been, I've been talking about this whole time. He didn't parry at all. He just put his hands up and absorbed blows. But I had to give Trump a one for rebuttals because he didn't stay on topic when he tried to rebuttal. Yeah. So I had to give him both the one. And then for presentation style, I have to give Trump a three. Why three? Because he was more convincing in his presentation style, because though he's arguing over you, it makes it seems like you are getting the upper hand, though you're not. I mean, he everything he said, he said with conviction that doesn't make him right. 
Right, but that's why we're looking at just Brett. Like he gets low scores and facts, and in his rebuttal, but is, he gets is it a, possible to give him a zero in facts? No, it's one. So then, even with that score, with let me do, do some quick math. Let's see who won this debate. I mean, might as well. Yeah. So got it up. So with we, organization clarity, we gave Biden a three. Okay. Right. right? Organization clarity. Mm-hmm. We gave him a use of arguments, a two. two. Use of examples and facts, we gave him a three. Mm-hmm. Use of rebuttal, a one. Mm-hmm. His presentation style was like a two to me. If Trump is a one, yes. No, presentation style. Oh, Trump. yeah, a two. Yeah. He's a two, Trump's a three. Yeah. So you give him a two for that. It's eight. So it's three plus arguments was two. Examples, three. Rebuttal is one plus two is 11. And you divide that by five. So it's 2.2 so far. Okay. For, for Biden. Organization clarity for Trump. Two. Mm-hmm. Use of arguments. Three. Three. Many relevant, many reasons given. Fairly relevant. Eh, more of a two. I mean, at first we had set up three because he should be ahead of Biden, but I don't think he was better. I don't think for the arguments, but. For the rebuttals, he's higher. Yes. For facts, he had a one. Use of rebuttal, he got a three. Presentation, got a three. 2.2. They both got 2.2. And like I said. It's about even. But I mean, (laughs) going into this conversation, we said nobody really won. Yeah. Well, we said we didn't know who won. But looking at it, no one. It was even. Yeah. It was pretty even. Uh, There was more inflammatory things said by Trump. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at just the score of the debate. I don't look at everything competition here. I mean, you can win a game and lose on the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're at on that. Yeah. All right. That's enough debate talk. CJ, you got anything else you want to talk about? Yeah. I want to take it back to football for a minute because I want to talk about the conversation that Philadelphia fans have been having for years and that they shouldn't have given up big dick Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. I stand for Carson Wentz. I am not an Eagles fan. My soon-to-be in-law family, big Eagle fans, which Jackie is a Seahawks fan, which I mean, she went to Washington. So, oh, school in Washington, yeah, yeah. So she adopted them. But, you know, actually, her brother is an Eagles fan. Her father is a Jets fan. And mom cheers for whoever's on the TV. <laughs> so she's, she's supportive of all family members. But... They all seem to think that Nick Foles should have been kept. They should have gotten rid of Carson Wentz. I'm like, y'all forgot how good Carson Wentz was. MVP that season. Yeah, should have been the MVP. So I actually have the stats up here. The season that Carson Wentz should have won the MVP and actually tore up his knee. He played 13 games. He completed 60% of his passes for 3,296 yards. He had 33 passing touchdowns, seven picks. He also ran for 299 yards, didn't have any touchdowns. So he was real good. Mm-hmm. He tore up his knee. The Eagles mothballed Foles the first few games. He wasn't good until the Super Bowl. He had the second best game of his life in the Super Bowl. I can confidently say he had the second best game of his life in the Super Bowl because he had a game where he threw seven touchdowns and one game. Oh, yeah. Did that against the Raiders back in 2013. 
when Chip Kelly was his coach. You want to hear his stat line? So the most passes that Nick Foles has ever thrown in a season was that year. He threw 317 passes in 13 games. Okay. He completed 64% of his passes. He had 27 touchdowns, including seven in one game that season, only through two picks. He was okay. he was good that season. But that's the only good season he has. He has not shown he can do it on a year-to-year basis. So for Nick Foles' career, 2012, seven games. 2013, when he was the starter for the Eagles, 13 games. 14, eight games. 15, 11 games with the Rams. 16, three games with the Chiefs. 17, back on the Eagles for seven games. 18, five games with the Eagles. Last year, four games with the Jags. He's now played in one game as the Bears quarterback. He's going to be the starter going forward. When we were talking earlier about how I think he's going to lose the job, the thing is, is Nick Foles comes in and he's like a microwave. He's good for stretches, but like, I think he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, that's, that's a his long ceiling. career, though. That's a long career. And he's uh, I don't, I'm not saying he's a bum. I think Nick Foles is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> But I think the Eagles made the right choice in keeping Carson Wentz. He's been bad this year, mm-hmm. but he's been down three starting offensive linemen. He has been down four of his top five receivers, and he just lost Dallas Goddard for who knows how long because he broke his ankle. Right. Like, who is supposed to survive behind that structure? I mean, yeah, he tied the Bengals. Yeah, he lost to the Washington football team, who haven't been good but they're so beat up they're so hurt what is he supposed to do he's playing to the best of his ability he hasn't looked great this season Mm -hmm. but i don't know how he's gonna do much better has he also hasn't he also been hurt i mean so here's the biggest problem like this is the knock that eagles fans have is that carson wentz gets hurt because he tore his acl that the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He broke his back the next year and had to sit out. So Nick Foles led them to victory on the double doink against the Bears in the playoffs. Last year, played the whole season. He wasn't fantastic, but he carried a team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs into the playoffs. And then he got a concussion, the playoff game. And then we had 4,900-year-old Josh McCown play. But none of these injuries are... Late, Like, you can't say that he's injury prone when they're not the same injury over and over and over. Like, Todd Gurley is injury prone because he continues to have knee injuries. But Carson Wentz is not injury prone. He's unlucky. You know who else was unlucky? Matt Stafford. He kept getting hurt early in his career. Then he didn't miss a game for 10 years until last year when he also broke his back. Mm -hmm. And he was very good for a very long time. But he was on the Lions. Eagles fans complain about Carson Wentz and him not being good. But would you rather have, like, obviously you would rather have Nick Foles, who I don't think is very good. But, like, would you rather have Carson Wentz or would you rather have Dwayne Haskins right now? All right. I'd rather Carson Wentz. I'd rather have Carson Wentz. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, would you rather have Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield right now? I'll probably take Carson yeah, like if you have Carson throwing Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and having that run game behind him, the Browns are winning much more, many more games. So, like, I don't think 
the question is, is like, where do you put Carson Wentz? Like, does if you switch Carson Wentz and Dak, mm-hmm. who do you do you think Dak is bad? And do you think Carson Wentz is just as good? Because a lot of people don't think Dak is good either. And I think they're wrong. On I that. think they're wrong. This last weekend when they were watching, I was watching that uh, Seahawks Dallas game mm-hmm. and then Dallas loses. I remember someone saying in the bar I was in, man, we're, and they want us to pay Dak for what? And they said for 400 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. Two picks, but he was rushed. And one of the picks, it was in the end zone in the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. For that, that's what you're paying him for. What are you talking about? I mean, Dak Dak didn't give up 38 points. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so that's why you're paying Dak. It's like, yeah, no, people don't think Dak's good, but I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. So, like, so the biggest problem is you go to Dak and it's we shouldn't pay him 40 million because people don't think about the finances of football. So football, the salary cap has gone up $10 million a year for the last decade. So now... At the beginning of the decade, the salary cap was around 100. It is now almost at 200. Market share for a starting quarterback in the league has always been around 20% of the cap. Mm-hmm. Like this century, 20% of $200 million is $40 million. Mm, that's the number. That's the number. So you go, well, I don't think Dak should make that as the starting quarterback. Okay. Do you think Dak is a top 10 quarterback? Because if the answer is yes, then you should probably pay him forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because I mean that's the that's the price. That's the number. Yeah, Carson Wentz signed a deal that made him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. The Eagles structured it very smartly to keep him low, like to keep the cap number low because of how they did their bonuses and everything. Mm-hmm. And they will be able to get out of it, I think, at the end of next year with very little dead money. But you have to pay these guys and you got to give them a shot. Because once you're paying them, you got to play them. Right. I think Carson Wentz is good. I don't think they have the support to get him where he needs to be. I think he's on the level of Dak where he can be a top 10 quarterback. He just doesn't have the infrastructure right now. Right. So that's the hill I'm going to die on. And I will enjoy watching Nick Foles go back to the bench in the next four to six weeks. <laughs> no, not Nick. I hope him a successful and long career. Just, I don't think he's that dude. And yeah, that's what's tough. Because if he's not that dude, then what are you doing? Yeah. CJ, you got anything you want to promote? Keep listening. We're going to be deep in, digging deep into our Bachelorette preview next week. Yes. We'll be visiting the mass singer. Mm-hmm. And if the Republican traveling party is good, we'll talk about the vice presidential debate. Also next week, check out top five go. You can find it right here on the fury podcast network, or you can find it in their own podcast feed. CJ will be a guest on that episode. We'll be talking about Disney characters. I believe we'll be getting into it. I think it's either this week or next week. We'll be getting into that. So check that out. Um, make sure you subscribe. Give us five stars right in the comments. You can find us here at The Strife on their own podcast feed or under the umbrella Fury Podcast Network. Everything's found there. Uh, communicate with us on Instagram at Fury Podcast. You could also communicate with us on Facebook. We have a website, FuryPodcastNetwork.com, all those good things. I'm at KG Fury. Boring follow. Don't do it. Find me on Twitter, keyboard sarcasm. Find me on the gram. I'm a boring follow there. CJ Leo 4. Mm-hmm. 
Um, with all that being said, thank you for listening and bye. See ya. Bye.